0: doing? A little tired? Oh, I think a little bit. Come on. I'm tired. It's 10 o'clock. It's uh, still too early for me. Um, I hope you guys had a great Christmas uh, and uh, hopefully looking forward to the new year 2024. How many of you guys have written that on anything yet? Just a few, well, I'll tell you what, the next time you write it, it's going to be 2023 still, so uh, I still remember that uh, in in school, that was always something that I always made a mistake on, Uh, was always writing the year before, and I did that for like six months, Um, and so it took me a while to get used to it, and then they changed it, right? Six months later, i gotten used to it, and then, you know, it's a new year, and you go through this cycle for the rest of your life. Um, Apparently, I'm the only one. So, one of my favorite things about the new year, okay, uh, is, is New Year's resolutions. How many of you guys have sat down and thought about uh, your New Year's resolutions so far? Anybody? Well, you've got less than 24 hours, so, because tomorrow is day one. It starts. Um, and the only reason why I myself have thought about them is because I'm preaching this morning um, and, and probably should t- should share a few. Um, but... Resolutions are are to, to make goals, to make yourself better, right? You start the year off and you say, this is my New Year's resolution. This is a goal that I have for this year. And by the end of it, you are hoping that you've accomplished that goal. Whether it's at some point in the year or by the last day of the year, you have accomplished This goal. And so I'm going to give you guys just a few of the ones that I have made for the year of 2024. Maybe they're going to be a little inspiring for you. Um, Maybe you'll take some of these home with you and do them for 2024. Um, Probably not, but we'll see. My first one that I have is, uh, if I'm being honest, I'm not really a reader. I only read if I have to okay? Um, I've been in school for the last year and a half in in grad school, and I have read more than I've wanted to, uh, if I'm being honest. But it's been challenging for me because I feel like I have learned so much and that I have grown from reading. And so my challenge for myself this next year is to read at least 24 books, two a month. I feel like that's pretty easy compared to what I've been doing already, but I finished school here pretty soon, and so I'm going to hopefully keep that challenge going for myself to always be a learner, to continue to educate myself even when I'm not in school. My second New Year's resolution is to read through the whole Bible. Um, I've only done it once uh, in a a year, and I want to do it again. I want to read through the entire Bible. I want to work out. Now, I did not put A specific amount of time for that one. I did not say how many times a week because even if I do it once, I did it, right? I think that one might be inspiring for you. Um, My fourth one is finished graduate school. Uh, I've I've been in grad school for a while. I've got two semesters left. I am really looking forward to being done, uh, but also trying to to take in the memories of it, uh, of being in grad school, My fifth one is move into my house before May. Um, We've been into this cycle of, of building a new house. We sold our house in September, and it's been a bit longer than we thought it would take. And so we're hoping that by May, by May, we can be in our new house. And that's a goal. Not that I can control anything of that, right? That's up to other people, but it's a goal that I have. And then my sixth one is to grow closer to the Lord. I think this is one that maybe all of us should have on our New Year's resolution list, is grow closer to the Lord. But there's a little bit that I add to that. It's this idea of beginning again when necessary. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning, is beginning again, to begin again. But New Year's resolutions are good. I think we could say that they're good, that they're important, and they give clear goals and clarifications and challenges to make us better people. But the problem that we face with New Year's resolutions, and I think we can all uh, admit to this, is that we we create them, or maybe we don't, and then two, three, four weeks later go by and we've stopped. I mean, gyms, they live off of New Year's resolutions, right? People who actually go to the gym don't like going to the gym in January because there's so many people in there. But by February 1st, man, they got it back to themselves. That's what a New Year's resolution has really become. If you stick to it, great. Is it one out of the 10 that you made? That's 10%. Is it all 10? Hey, that's fantastic. But resolutions... Have become this thing where we say we're going to do it, and then four weeks later, it's history. We wait until the next January 1st, and we put work out again on our New Year's resolution. And we live that way. We give up. And one of the interesting things that I've seen about sermons around this time of year is focusing on this new year, new me. Now, if some of you guys remember, I actually preached that sermon three years ago, uh, titled New Year, New Me, and so I'm kind of making my fun of myself a little bit. And I think that's a good a good thing. New year, new me, right? I want to be a better version of myself. But again, so often we, we get down on ourselves because we haven't succeeded. We haven't reached the resolutions that we set forth. And so instead, to start this new year, we're not going to start on this idea of, uh, it's a, hey, it's a new year, new me. Instead, we're going to Focus on the opportunity to begin again. A story of grace. Because that's what beginning again is. It's a story of grace. It isn't just about January 1st. It's not about February 3rd, July 2nd, October 14th. Whatever day you think of. It's it's about every day. Having the opportunity to begin again. Sometimes we get out of the resolution and we decide, oh, I missed a day. I'm not going to do it anymore. There's no point. Or a week went by and you, you didn't do the thing that you said you would, and so you give up completely. But beginning again means that no matter the distance, no matter the time, you have an opportunity to start over, to begin again. But for us to understand the story that we're going to be going through in Scripture today, we have to start off with a, a group collective definition of grace. Now, every week for youth group this past semester, uh, we've been going through a specific series on the book of Genesis. And it's been a reminder for our students and for myself as well of who God is and the, and the history of God's people and how he shows his love for us. And one of the main points, we we cover it every single week, is this definition of grace. Because this is what God has been doing since Genesis chapter three, has been offering, extending out grace to his people. And so the definition that we're gonna hang our hats on this morning is that grace is an undeserved love for sinners. For you, for me, for, for everybody. It's an undeserved love for sinners. And this is key for us to understanding the love of the Father. And it is important for us to know in our story this morning as we walk through the, the life of Peter. You see, Jesus sent Christ to the world to bring good news, to be the good news, to die and be raised to life again. This is the love of the Father. Something that we did not deserve but was given anyway. This is grace. And it applies to all and for all. And we can see that in Romans 3.23 where it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are sinners. And God sends his son to die for us so that we could be in relationship with him. And he raised again to give us new life. It's an undeserved love for sinners. Grace. Now, if you have your Bibles or your tablets or your phones, we're going to be kind of jumping through the Gospels a little bit between Luke and John. But we're going to start off in Luke. Uh, And so if you want to open that, we'll be in chapter 5. And and we're going to be trying to understand this concept of beginning again. uh, And the grace that the Father gives through the story of Peter. Peter is one of the uh, apostles, one of the disciples. And Peter's story is full of ups and downs. If you've read through the Gospels, if you've read through uh, Acts, and, and you see that Peter's life has got this this kind of roller coaster to it, uh, how many of you guys by by show of hands like roller coasters? Okay, quite quite a few. That's actually kind of surprising to me. Um, I don't like heights. I love roller coasters. It doesn't make sense. I think it's the high speed of it all, and you can't like focus on any one thing because you're it's just crazy. Um, I actually laugh hysterically before the, the ride even starts. Um, so uh, this is the life of Peter. It, it, it's a roller coaster. He has this takeoff, and he's going up, and he's going down, and he's got the turns. And, and, and I think it relates to a lot of us because I think if we look back on our life, maybe our life has also been a, a roller coaster of, of emotions, of understanding, of experiences, of growth. And, and this is the life that Peter lives, this roller coaster but uh, Peter, um, he, he lived this simple life before Jesus. Peter lived a, a simple life, just like a lot of people did before meeting Jesus. And, and he lived his life as a fisherman. Uh, and he was with his family and his friends before he met Jesus. And, and Peter, he, he had heard about this Jesus at this point in his life, but he didn't really know who he was. He's like, he must be some teacher. He's going around. He's got crowds, but I, I don't know him, but this all changed when Jesus called for Peter to toss his net on the other side, and so we're going to pray before we jump into Luke 5, if you'll join me in doing so. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for the year of 2023. We thank you for the ups uh, and the downs and, and the turns, and, and God, we thank you to be for allowing us to be here right now in this moment, in your church, with your people. God, I pray that we would uh, learn from Peter this morning, from his life, that in his ups and downs, we get to see a story of grace, an opportunity to begin again with you, and that we can take some points from that and we can apply those to our lives and that we too have this opportunity of, beginning again. God, I pray that you uh, would challenge us this morning as we begin a new year tomorrow, and God, that we have an opportunity every single day to begin again with you. Be with us this morning. Be with those that aren't able to make it, that are traveling, um, that are at home. God, be with them. Be with us this morning. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. Verse 4. It says this. And we had finished speaking. He said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done... This, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. This was how Jesus and Peter meet for the first time. This is how they, they have an understanding of uh, this is, this is a, a man who's different. This sign, we have been working all night, and we've got nothing. I mean, he was a professional. This was his job. This is what he's been doing his whole life. And at the word of, of a teacher, he just puts his net back in. And then they not only catch fish, but enough to fill two boats. And Jesus calls Peter. And his life is changed. You see, we're we're going to jump real quick through the, the life of Peter. We're not going to touch on every moment. And so we kind of get into this Peter follows Jesus. It's pretty clear. He follows him for three years. He was actually the first one to call him Christ, to acknowledge him as Lord. And unfortunately, a little bit later, he's also called Satan by Jesus, which is a whole other story that we're not going to get into this morning. But the point is Peter stood with Jesus, or more so Jesus stood with Peter. And witnessed him perform miracles, control nature, call out demons, and bless people. Peter saw this. Peter was even in the top three. The top three of the 12. Best friends with Jesus. I mean, could you imagine being best friends with Jesus? Not only is he like amazing, but he's also God, right? Like Peter is in the the highest of highs. He is climbing that peak on his roller coaster. But that was until the Last Supper when Jesus had a little bit of truth to tell Peter. And unfortunately had a a pretty uh, big drop after that. So we're going to jump to Luke 22 uh, verses 31 through 34. Says this, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. And so, Jesus has this moment. Now, they're not alone. They're at the Last Supper, and he's saying this to Peter. And, and I think there would be this kind of like shock that would be happening for Peter. I mean, he's been living life with his best friend for three years, seen him do some pretty amazing things. Um, again, admitted that he was the Christ. But Peter wasn't getting the full picture still. Peter didn't have uh, the full understanding of Jesus' mission here on earth. And, and he's saying that I, I will go to prison for you. I will even die for you. And Jesus is like, No, you will even say that you don't know me. Not once, not twice, but three times. And then the crow of a rooster. And so Peter, who spoke like he was willing to go to prison, to even die with him, but later when Jesus was arrested, What he told Peter at the Last Supper became true. One denial, followed by a second denial, followed by a third, and then a crow of a rooster. And in that moment, Peter knew. Peter knew. And in that moment, Peter needed grace. He needed to begin again. Now, have you ever said something? I'm not going to ask for hands on this one, um, I promise. Have you ever said something that you should have? that you should not have? Not thinking about who you were with or even the repercussions that could come from it. You ever said something you shouldn't have? Have you ever done something wrong but didn't realize it until after the fact and immediately you feel shame and you feel guilt? You didn't didn't know, but you still did the thing wrong. I mean, Peter was warned. He's like, nope, I, I won't. I'm not gonna do that. And then he does it three times, and then he realizes it. And he feels this, this guilt and this, this shame. And if we're being honest with ourselves, I think that we've all been in this kind of situation. Even in the smallest of ways, where we've either said something or we've done something, and immediately after we've done it, we feel this shame and this guilt, and it, and it sits with us. And it, and it grows and it's uncomfortable and it's gross. And, and it disrupts our relationship with the Lord. Shame and guilt has that effect on us. It creeps into our lives in the smallest of ways and it grows. And it affects the relationship that we have with the Lord. And it did for Peter. And so often in our lives we do something that we can't believe we've done And Peter is feeling that exactly in this moment. He is at his lowest of lows. He climbed real, real fast and he dropped. And he has this guilt and this shame. But we know, and thankfully so, that the story doesn't end there. Peter's life, his story, it doesn't just drop off the pages. He continues to grow, but it doesn't start off right away. Peter's life is this roller coaster of emotion and experiences, and he may be at his lowest of lows in his life and his ministry. But in this moment, after he realizes, Peter is sitting idle. He doesn't know what to do, he's not moving forward, he's not going backwards, and he is waiting. What happens next? I've done the thing that I said I wouldn't, and now I'm here. What do I do? What does he do? What do you do? What do you do when you are sitting idle with the Lord? It doesn't feel like you're moving forward, but you don't feel like you're moving backwards, and you're just sitting still. What do you do when you're sitting idle with the Lord? Do you wait patiently? Do you wait impatiently? you seek out advice? What do you do when you are sitting idle with the Lord? What do you do in your relationship with the Lord when you've done something, said something, you know you shouldn't, and you feel guilt and shame? Or when you don't do those things and you're just sitting there waiting. God, I'm waiting. I'm sitting here. And it feels like it's just stagnant. This relationship that you have with the Lord. You see, the Lord he shows up in people's lives. He does. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in other lo- other people's lives. You've seen it in your own lives. You've seen it in your friends and your families. The Lord shows up in amazing ways. He shows you who He is. But then it's up to you. What do you do next? Do you sit idle? Do you go back to what you know? what you've always done, or do you move forward with him? This shows where, where you are on, on your relationship with the Lord. If he shows himself to you and you do nothing, or you go back and ignore, and you do the same old thing that you've been doing your whole life, but hopefully you've taken the next step in moving forward, and sometimes that's confusing. Or you don't know what that looks like. But it's the next right thing. For Peter, he went back to what he knew. He went fishing. Peter and a few other disciples decided to not sit idle. They they were like, okay, I can't just sit here. So they went and did something. And instead of moving forward, they went back to what they did before they met Jesus. They went fishing. I wonder if Peter, in this moment, when he decided to go back fishing, and some of the other disciples are like, yeah, sure, I'll go with you. Um, I wonder if, if he was still feeling the guilt and the shame of denying his Lord. I wonder if he thought he wasn't good enough to move forward in God's mission. I don't know. The text doesn't, doesn't say it. But I know in my own life, when I have felt that guilt and that shame, that those are some of the questions that may run through my mind. Am I good enough to move forward on the mission that God has? Peter's can sound like us sometimes, but then we jump, uh, jump to John twenty-one, one through fourteen. This moment of of Peter, um, of Peter, uh, fishing with. His uh, friends, his disciples, and, and Jesus appears. And this is how it happens. Verse 1 of chapter, or, uh, John 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple, whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. from the dead. Now, if we remember back to Luke chapter 5, we just read it, Jesus calls Peter and a few others to a life of ministry while they're fishing, giving them a sign of a, of an abundance of fish when they had caught nothing all day and night. That was in Luke 5. And now we jump to Luke, to John 21, and we see that Jesus is bookending his time with with Peter on earth. By performing the same sign, a reminder of who Jesus is and what he has called them to be, fishers of men. You're never supposed to go back to this. You were never supposed to go back to your old life. I have called you to something new, to be fishers of men. But not only does he remind them through this sign and through sharing a meal with them, but he also restores Peter. A moment of grace given to a friend, to a follower. In John 21, 15 through 19, it says this. This is right after, um, and they're still having breakfast. It says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Jesus gives Peter a second chance, a second chance to begin again. He reaches out and gives him grace, calling Peter back to live for him, to teach, to preach, to minister and walk with people. To tell people his name. Jesus was restoring Peter. And he's getting this opportunity to begin again. Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Calling Peter back to the three denials. Each one restoring the answer that he had given. It wasn't to rub it in his face or to say, well, I told you so but to restore and to heal Peter, to set him up for what he has to do next. And even from this moment on, Peter has his ups and downs. You can read through the book of Acts and you can see that he has some tension. He gets a little stubborn and stuck in his ways and part of it is just not knowing, but he gets softened by the Holy Spirit, molding him back to be more like Christ. Now I think and believe personally that Peter is one of the most relatable people in all of scripture. I think every person can look at the the whole story of Peter and in even some small way see their own reflection in his in his life. Like I said we've all had this roller coaster up until our point in time right here right now that we have had in life the ups and the downs and the the side turns and and everything, the loop-to-loops, all of it. And Peter has had this as well. He's had the, the roller coaster of emotion and of stubbornness, comfort, passion, confusion, and all of it's good and all of it's bad. We can see it in Peter's life. But I believe that through Peter's life, there are three points that we can take out and that we can apply to us so that we, when we come into these moments where we're like, what What do we do next? What do I do next in my relationship with the Lord? I I feel like I'm too far off. I've done something. I've said something. And I don't think I can start again. But if we follow these three points, I believe that it it helps us, guides us into this restoration process, into this story of grace that God reaches out to us and offers us to begin again. And the first one is to accept the grace of God. You have to accept the grace of God. For Peter to move on for the sake of the kingdom, he needed to accept the grace that Jesus was giving him. Remember, grace is undeserved love for sinners. Did Peter deserve the love of the Father? No, it's undeserved. What about after he denied Jesus three times? Probably not. Probably didn't deserve it. But he was given it anyway. Just like for you and for me, remember Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. We deserved what Jesus got, but this undeserved love, this grace for us was given through Jesus. God gave his love to Peter anyway, and he gives his love to us just the same. And I think Peter knew that Jesus was giving him grace a little bit. And there was this, this, this pain that kind of came with it. And, and grace isn't supposed to give pain, but sometimes the reminder is a little bit painful, right? Like Peter is sitting in this moment around the fire with Jesus and he's asking him, do you love me? Restoring and healing, not trying to hurt him, but Peter must have remembered what he had done. And to get through that shame and that guilt, grace had to be offered. Peter must have known what Jesus was doing. Sometimes we do things, we say things, and we feel shame and guilt for the wrongdoing. And maybe sometimes we aren't doing anything at all, but we just sit still. We sit stagnant and idle in, in our relationship with Christ, and, and maybe we feel a little bit guilty and ashamed of just doing nothing. But God is giving you you grace. You have to accept it. God is offering an opportunity to begin again, and we must move forward with Christ. Now, I must say that God's grace isn't given dependent on whether or not you accept it. That's, That's not why I'm saying you must accept it. But for you to move on, to begin again in this relationship with the Lord, you need to accept the grace of God. Because if you don't, you're going to dwell and you're going to sit in that shame and you're going to sit in that guilt. But God has already offered his grace to you. Move forward, accept it, live the life that God has called you to live. Accept his grace. The second point is to give yourself grace. You need to accept the grace of God, but you also have to give yourself grace. We are not perfect. I am not perfect. You are not perfect. Sorry to burst your bubble. All right. We are not perfect. Peter knew this about himself. He had to. I mean, especially at this point, he had to know I'm not perfect. I need grace. And he, need, he knew that he needed to move forward in this grace. He needed grace from the Father, and he needed to give himself grace to continue to move forward as well. We need grace. And I'm so thankful for the grace that God gives his people. But if we want to truly begin again and let go of previous shame, guilt, and sin, then you have to give yourself grace too. It's not just receiving it from the Father, but it's giving it to yourself as well so that you can move forward in his plans. Giving yourself grace is a way of loving yourself, and you were created in the image of God. Giving yourself grace is avoiding sin or repenting from sin and reminding yourself that you have been saved by grace, not just at salvation, but every day of your life. That is giving yourself grace. Romans six fourteen, it says this, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. You are under grace. I am under grace. And so sin has no rule, has no dominion over our lives. You have to give yourself grace. Live under the grace that God has blessed you with to move forward, to begin again with him. Now, if you know me well, uh, you'll know that I'm an organized per- person. I-, I may not be the tidiest, okay, but I'm organized. Uh, I I have a structure and I like things to be in a specific order and place. Uh, If we boiled it down to one word, it would be control, right? I like control. Okay. But by a show of hands, who would say that they, they like control too? Yeah. 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 Okay. Come on. There's more than that. (laughs) I mean, think about it, right? Like there's so many things that we do in our life that like we have control over. We control when we wake up and get out of bed. We control what we wear. We control when we brush our teeth. It should be every day, <laughs> multiple times a day, all right? We control our, like when we're driving our car, we're in control, all right? We, we're in control more than we think that we are. And, and for some people, they don't struggle with that as much. I happen to struggle with it a little bit more than the average person. And so uh, the, the other way of saying this is I, I struggle with spontaneity, all right? I'm not a spontaneous person. I married a spontaneous person. I am not a spontaneous person, all right? I despise doing something unplanned or at the drop of the hat, all right? I, I just can't do it. it uh, well, I'll say this. I can do it, but I wanna control it. <laughs> I struggle with it. And, and I'm not a big fan of surprises either. You surprise me, especially like surprise parties, okay? Where I know nothing about it and then 30 people yell surprise. I'm not about that. If you surprise me with a gift, hey, I'll take that any day of the week, all right? I want to know everything all the time. I want that control. And I have struggled most of my life with giving myself grace. Because in control, when something doesn't go your way or you've done something wrong, you kind of hold on to it a little bit. You let it simmer and grow and fester right inside of you. And I struggled with that. Most of my life, I still struggle with it. I hold on to things way longer than I should, and it stops me from moving forward. I acknowledge and accept the grace of God, but in doing so, I forget to give myself grace too. I'm a dweller. And about a year ago, I began meeting with someone to have conversations about my spiritual life, my walk with the Lord, and the tendencies that I have in relationships with people, and how that affects my relationship with the Lord. Uh, and this is where I discovered, or if I'm being honest with myself, because I kind of had to in those moments, uh, with this struggle. Okay. I, I maybe knew about it, but I didn't really like acknowledge it until about a year ago. And, and that I like to be in control and how it affects the relationships that I have with people and the relationship that I have with God and giving that control over and maybe being a little bit more spontaneous in everyday life. And in, in those times where I was meeting with um, my counselor, you can call him that, I was told that giving myself, giving yourself grace opens you up to what the Spirit is currently doing in your life. That when you give yourself grace, you are letting go of everything else that is going on and you're actually opening, opening yourself up to what the Holy Spirit has for you today, right here, right now. No control, letting go, giving yourself grace. And since then, I have improved. I struggle with it still. You can ask my wife that later. I still struggle with control, but I've improved. I'm still organized and and like to to have things in a specific way. Um, But I'm learning patience in different ways and giving myself grace When I I don't complete a goal or when I make a mistake or when something happens the way that I don't want it to happen, I'm learning to give myself grace. Giving yourself grace isn't an excuse to do whatever you want, though. All right? It's not an excuse to do whatever you want because you're just going to give yourself grace. That's not how it works. You can't. Grace is ultimately coming from the Lord. Giving yourself grace means you recognize that you aren't perfect. You never will be in this life, and you accept that grace has been given to you from the Father. That is giving yourself grace. It's a recognition of who you are and who God is calling you to be. It's accepting the grace of the Father and then giving that to yourself as well of saying I got to move forward. I can't sit here any longer in this shame, in this guilt. Giving yourself grace opens you up to what the Spirit is currently doing in your life right now. And that leads us to the third point, and it is to chase after Jesus. We need to accept the grace of God, and we need to give ourselves grace to begin again with Christ. But we also need to continue to chase after Jesus. We need to continue to chase after him. This is where moving forward with Christ happens. We will never stop growing towards Christ if we continue to chase after him. It's going to allow us to continue to be molded and changed by the spirit if we continue to chase after him. He is the one that makes us new. He is the one that gives us life, life everlasting. Peter made mistakes even after this campfire breakfast moment with Jesus. But even through the mistakes, he was given grace and he continued to move forward. Peter recognized something. He recognized that he needed to continue moving forward at the grace of God to complete the mission that God had for him. And we need to do the same thing. We need to recognize, accept the grace of God, give ourselves grace, and then continue to move forward and chase after Jesus, living the life that he has called us to do, He didn't go back to what he knew anymore because he knew that chasing Christ was his life. That's all he did was chase after Christ. And he was always being reminded of it. Now, his life wasn't easy. He even talked about the way that he would die in John 21. But he knew it was worth it. And so what are you doing in your life right now to be made new in Christ? What are you doing right now to chase after Jesus. And I can't answer these questions for you. For many of you, I only get to see you one hour a week. That's right now. What are you doing with the other 167? Are you chasing after Christ? Are you chasing him in your job, at home with your family, with your friends, in the way you spend your free time? Are you giving everything you are to chase after Christ, to be like him and to know him more? We have to accept the grace of God. You have to give yourself grace and you need to chase after Jesus. Even in the mistakes and the failures, misdoings and sinfulness of of life, of living life in an imperfect world being imperfect people. In those moments, God still reaches out for us to begin again and again and again. Because it's not just one time, it's all the time. You get a second chance, you get a third chance, you get a fourth chance, because this is the God of this world, God of creation, God of everything. And he is calling you back to him to begin again. No matter the number of times it takes, his grace is present and new every day. So, how will you begin the new year? And how will you end it? Will you pray with me? Dearly Father, we thank you again for this morning. We thank you for the example of life's, uh, of Peter's life, and, and that even in the roller coaster, we, we see the ups, we see the downs, we, we see even just the coasting of sitting idle and, and not doing much. God, and we can see that maybe in our own lives. Maybe we're at the highest of highs right now. God I pray that we continue to move closer to you. Maybe we are sitting idle. We don't know what's next and we don't want to go back to where we were but we know that we need to move forward but just don't know how. God, I pray that we would seek people out who could guide us and walk alongside of us as we figure out what it is to do next. And God, maybe we're in the the depths, the lowest of lows and we're living life like a way we know we shouldn't. God, I pray that we would acknowledge and accept your grace. And in doing so, give ourself grace so that we can move forward and chase after you. To begin again. This is a story of grace. Our lives are a story of grace. God, I pray as we go out from here and as we start this new year, that we would acknowledge that. And that every day is an opportunity to begin again. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.